morning. This is Pastor Dan, and uh, happy to be with you, and uh, thank you for each of you that once in a while has time to take eight minutes and uh, spend time with God Talk while you're driving or walking. I listened to a friend of mine's podcast yesterday all the way back from Arizona, and uh, just to hear other people's, how they're sorting it out. So... Anyway, thank you. I hope it's helpful a little bit. Uh, we're dealing with uh, sanctification and transformation. Is it uh, blood, sweat, and tears and teeth, teeth clenching and grit? Or is it more gift and all oh, just focus on your relationship? And God does the battle and the battle does the Lord's or some of both. So we've been uh, wrestling with the difference between power of choice and the will. The power of choice, while it may have some damage because of sin, has never been completely eradicated. We're still made in the image of God with choice, what is called volition. What has been damaged is the power, the willpower in our life, the, where our desires and uh, we have mixed desires. They're not all pure. And uh, when I see the yogurt store and I want to stop or I want to stop for cinnamon rolls in Pismo Beach last week, it's hard to pass those up. And so we do it. Uh, and of course, things much more serious than that. And so the idea is, is that the power of choice, we make a choice with the help of God. And then God begins to work in us both to will, to deal with our willpower and our day-to-day cho uh, -day choice making and our desires. And then as we clean those up and those become aligned with God, then it becomes different in our action. One of the great quotations, Desire of Ages, page 668, if we consent... There's the power of choice. He will so identify himself with our thoughts and aims. So blend our hearts and minds into conformity to his will, that when obeying him, we shall be carrying out our own impulses. The will, refined and sanctified, mean it's been changed, <coughs> will find its highest delight in doing his service. So it seems to me that's pretty clear. If we consent, there is a choice that we can make. And then he will come in with our willpower and begin to identify his will into ours. And eventually we can do whatever we want because what we want has been transformed to only want what he wants. The story I've used for a long time, crazy story. I bought a house in uh, Grants Pass, Oregon, a little cul-de-sac, and uh, once in a while I'd drive by. It's an old beat-up house now. They haven't kept it up very good, but it was brand new when I had it. How many years ago? Over 40 years ago. There were no fences between our houses. Uh, I ended up being uh, single in that time, and I looked out the window one day, and my neighbor, who was the daughter of the real estate agent who had sold me the house, had bought, bought that house, had a couple little kids, and she was out sunbathing without all her swimming suit on. Now you can turn away, but the thought of that, you can sit in your house and look without anyone knowing that you're looking, and you fight the battle, and it's not easy, and you want to, and you don't want to, you know you shouldn't, but you want to, and we have a battle. And that's what Michael Moore Venden has talked about. This grit is the answer to not looking sheer willpower, fighting the battle and just <clears throat> forcing yourself to turn away. Or is there another way? Is there a way to give our willpower over to God? And he then begins in our relationship time with him to change our will. We begin to desire. I don't want to see my neighbor physically. I want to see my neighbor as a whole person, her heart and her mind and her soul and her personality. Uh, and we gradually change our way of thinking. And then it's not grit that makes us turn away. It's that we don't want to 
see other people and women or men in that way. We want to see people as people, not sexual objects. Is it gift or is it grit? And when our will has been given over to God and we begin to see people differently and love people wholly and freely and fully, we begin to do this naturally. And that's why Maury Benton called it natural obedience. We give our life to Jesus. We have a relationship. We focus on the relationship. He focuses on the changing our mind and heart and willpower. And that's when his yoke is easy and the burden is light, when we have become aligned with God's will and purposes in our life. Yoke is easy, burden is light. It's like water skiing. When you first start fighting water, it's not much fun. You're just pulling and fighting on. But gradually there comes a point where you pop up on top. Now you're not fighting all that water anymore. You're gliding on top of the water. You're still holding on to a rope and you're still holding on to connect it to that boat. And there's some effort involved. But um, the boat is doing the vast majority. You're not canoeing. You're not paddling. You're not fighting it. You're gliding. So you use your power of choice to give up your will. And then God pulls you out of the water. And gradually it becomes easier and easier. And that's what we offer to the world. A God who has the power to transform your life from the inside and become godly, righteous, gracious people. And it's not a battle every day to live godly because we, our heart and soul and our desires are aligned with God. And we can do whatever we want because it's what God wants us to do. So we have to wrestle now with that question. We're justified by grace and by faith. It's all Jesus. There's nothing. We just accept it. Don't fight it off. Is sanctification the same as that? All the gift and it's all relationship with Jesus? Or is it you and God? Is there cooperation? Is it a duet and not a solo? There is something you have to do. And Thoughts on the Mount of Blessing says, page 142, our energies are required to cooperate with God. But there's always the risk. If I contribute, then something about me is involved here. And some people are stronger than others. Some people can do more because of their background, their family, their inner strength that they were given. Other people are very weak in the background that they've received. I have a friend who's six foot eight. If salvation is based on being tall and dunking the basketball, he has an advantage over me. I can't do what he can do naturally, no matter how hard I try, but that can't be right. Salvation and sanctification have to be equal for everybody. And there are some gift texts that seem to be clear. Colossians 2 verse 6, just as you receive Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. So how we came and how we live are the same. They're all Jesus. Revelation 22, 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, may God himself sanctify you through and through. So what's the answer? You know where this is going to go. It's some of both. Yes, we, we lust trust in Jesus and we give our will over to him. And the battle is his. The battle is the Lord's. And it is not the normal Christian life to have to fight. He said, come unto me and all you are weary and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. But we do have to do something. We do physically get up and go to church. We do open up a Bible and spend time with God and keep the commandments and to take food to poor people and whatever. And we do make vows. God will not do for us what we can do for ourselves. So clearly there is a combination. Jesus told the man to pick up his mat. Elijah told Naaman to go wash in the river. Jericho and Jehoshaphat, they told Israelites to march and sing and shout. So there has to be something we'll do. Anyway, this is uh, time to be done. We'll take one more shot at it tomorrow. This is God Talk and we're wrestling with the how to live a transformed life in Jesus. God bless you.